want to welcome you to Conversations with Gary. And we're talking about the phrase, for the sake of the call. And we get that phrase from Scripture, uh, where Jesus walked by and on two different occasions, two brothers, and said, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And it says, at once, they left their nets, their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and they followed him, meaning Jesus. Um, that's pretty immediate. Uh, and it's amazing uh, when you see people who are willing to drop their vocation, which is what this really meant, and immediately follow Jesus, literally follow him, walk with him, go where he went. And <clears throat> what did they really do? These we call them the 12 disciples. And uh, what was it these folks really did? Well, we know that after Jesus ascended back to heaven, Simon Peter, he uh, ended up going throughout uh, much of Europe and Asia, martyred, crucified, upside down at his own request in the sense that um, he didn't feel worthy to be executed like Jesus was. And, and so tradition, history tells us that he requested <laughs> upside down, which kind of, if you study Simon Peter, that's uh, it, very much like him. John, uh, brother of James and a son of Zebedee that was left in the boat, uh, banished to Patmos, died of old age. He's the only disciple, only one of the 12 that died uh, of just regular old age. James, <clears throat> James, we find uh, the other son that, that, uh, left their dad Zebedee in the boat. Uh, he was uh, martyred very quickly. Uh, he was the first one of, of the martyrs in the, to be uh, killed. And then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, um, we know that he went throughout uh, Europe and near Turkey uh, where he was martyred. These people who forsook their jobs as fishermen ended up giving their lives uh, for Christ. We call him Doubting Thomas, which I think is really unfair. Uh, <laughs> we know that he traveled the furthest of any of the disciples. Uh, he traveled all the way to India and started what is called now the Great Mar Thomas Church, and he was speared there. James, son of Alphaeus, local missionary in Jerusalem, uh, and was martyred there, stoned in, in Jerusalem. 
here are these people that we talk about so easily, but they ended up giving their lives as martyrs for the church for the sake of the call. And well, what's it really mean to be called of God to do something, to do ministry? What, what, what's that really mean? And um, we see it unfolding like in John 20, 21, after Jesus resurrected from the dead, he appears to the disciples and he actually says to them, just as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. So we, I would use the word sentness. To be called means to be sent, to go from where you are one place to another to, to do ministry. Uh, we, we, of course, also know that in Mark 16, 15, it says, go into the world. Jesus said, go into the world, go everywhere and announce the message of God's good news to one and all. Uh, now, ministry of doing just what I just read, uh, going to the world everywhere, announce the message. That ministry takes different forms. It's not just um, actually <laughs> probably the least of that is those of us who are preachers uh, standing behind a podium and um, describing the gospel and how to walk with Jesus Christ. That's probably the least way that the gospel is shared. Uh, the gospel really is shared in people's everyday lives as they go about doing usually some other kind of vocation. Now, Luke 24, 46 through 48, it is written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. You, you, you see how when you're sent, you could be sent to do a lot of different things. Many countries throughout the world today will not receive the traditional missionary uh, because they really don't want Christianity to spread in their country. And so if the gospel, if Christianity is going to be spread, it has to be done by someone that is not regarded as a professional broadcaster of Christianity. It needs to be done through the everyday lives of people who are doing something that that country really needs and wants, and that person is living out the Christian life, and they're sharing Christ when the occasion lends itself to happen. Acts 1.8, we really see Jesus, uh, his some of his last words here, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witness, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So 
really a big part of being sent and the content of what you would say has to do with being a witness to what you have experienced in your own life, what God has done for you, and you're just being a witness to it. You're just telling people what you have experienced yourself. And of course, the Great Commission, as we often refer to it, is Matthew 28, 19, which says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, again, it really has to do with being sent. We are called or we are being sent by the Lord. And when you hear someone describe their calling, you usually are hearing them describe how they feel, feel sent of the Lord to do a particular thing. Again, uh, I don't think we have the right concept if we just think of somebody standing behind a podium preaching. I think I think most people that are sent are sent and uh, using a different vehicle other than standing behind a podium or in front of a, a whiteboard and, and teaching. We are sent to live out the Christian life in front of other people and to, to share Christ when we get the opportunity. Um, I'll show you how to have a real rest, Jesus said. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Keep company with me, and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. This is what we really need to be doing. Walking with the Lord, working with the Lord, and keeping company with the Lord. If you're doing that, you're going to live out some kind of sentness and calling in your life. I, I think of those throughout the Old Testament who felt called or sent of the Lord. And obviously one of the most interesting ones was Moses, who, uh, you know, he was raised in Egypt with the children of Israel, when the nation of Israel were there as captives and really slaves and uh and uh the head of that country of course was known as pharaoh and his daughter discovers this little baby floating in the river and it was little moses and she takes him and raises him and that means he gets educated with a it was a pretty sophisticated society even by modern terms today, he received the best education of, of in the world of that time. Uh, and then he sees someone mistreating one of the Israeli people, and he kills that man. And then now he's a fugitive. And uh, it looks like he's messed up 
the opportunity to help his countrymen uh, back in Egypt because uh, he finds himself on the backside of the desert taking care of sheep that he doesn't own uh, that belongs to his father-in-law as he's married a gal uh, there in the desert. And um, and then he sees this bush burning and it, and it's intriguing to him because it, it doesn't look right. It, it's not burning up. And it says he walked over to this bush, and when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And God said, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place you're standing is holy ground. And what made it holy was that God was there and God was talking. And he says to Moses, you know, I've seen and I've heard the prayers and the cries of the Israeli people, and I'm going to do something about it. Well, I, I think probably Moses had spent 40 years feeling super guilty because he had messed up the opportunity. He had been strategically placed in a, in a position where he could have helped his people, uh, probably in his mind, and he'd blown it by his anger and reaction uh, and killing an, an Egyptian soldier. soldier. And, and God says, I'm going to rescue them. He had to think, wow, great. That's what we need. And, uh, and then God says, well, so I'm sending you. There's that sentence again. Um, I'm sending you. I'm calling you. And I love uh, <laughs> all of Moses's excuses. Uh, you know, he, he starts in, but who am I? You know, and I'm not Rambo. You know, uh, why are you asking me to do this? And uh, you know. It, he says, his second argument was, but suppose uh, they asked me who sent me. I mean, by that time, the Israeli people were no longer really serious followers of God. Uh, they had uh, accommodated all the religions that they found in Egypt and, and some other places. And so uh, Yahweh, Jehovah God, was not prominent in their minds. And so he says, well, who do I tell them send me? You know, you want me to go back to Egypt and let them and free them? But what authority do I have? And what if they don't believe me? <laughs> and he said, God, I'm, I'm not even good at talking. You got the wrong guy. I, I'm, I'm slow of speech. Uh, and, and then he finally just spells it out. Uh, oh, Lord, please send somebody else. And that's where he was in the beginning of that conversation. And I think most of us who feel God calling us may have some of these arguments. Uh, you know, you got the wrong person, God. You got the wrong one. 
and uh, we try to argue with God. And of course, God has a whole different view of how to work through human beings. And it's not, he doesn't think like we think. According to scripture, his ways are higher than our ways, our ways are lower. And, and uh, it says there's a way that seems right unto human beings, but often ends in destruction and death. And uh, so this is a common argument with people who feel that God is calling them to do some kind of ministry. Uh, Isaiah, the moment he was in the presence of God, uh, you know, he he felt guilty. He felt uh, sinful. And most of us have that kind of feeling as well, that I'm not worthy. I, I You surely can find somebody better to do this. Um, and God said, look, you know, I'm, I'm going to take care of your guilt. Your sins are wiped out. And, uh, and God said, uh, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I spoke up and I said, I'll go send me. Well, the world has been a better world because Isaiah was sent. What has had the lasting effect uh, of Isaiah is what he wrote. And that's often the case. You know, his voice has long been in the grave. But what he wrote, the words that he wrote, are some of the most impactful words the world has ever seen. And so being sent can be also be what you write. It, it, it can be something quite different than standing behind a podium and preaching. <clears throat> Jeremiah, uh, as a young man, God said, before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you, a prophet to the nations. That's what I had in mind for you. But Jeremiah says, hold it. Holy God, look at me. I don't know anything, and I'm a boy, meaning I'm too young to do this. And God said to Jeremiah, don't say I'm only a boy. I'll tell you where to go, and, and you'll go there. I'll tell you what to do, say, and you'll say it. And God reached out, touched my mouth, and said, look, I just put my words in your mouth and delivered. See what I've done? I've given you a job to do among the nations and governments a red letter day. So when, when God calls people, here's an example. When he sends us, he also, like Moses, like Isaiah, and like uh, Jeremiah here, he he equips us. He gives us what we need to get the job done. And it may not be done like anybody else would do it. It may be only like we would do it. 
but he equips us. It's him working in us. We have uh, this situation that we sh we share here. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow in my footsteps, he must give up all right to himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, I outlined uh, I, there in white those words, must give up all right to himself. Um, if you are sent by the Lord, and you accept being sent, and you accept the fact that he has called you, uh, you will do the best job if you give up all right to yourself in order to do it his way. Those are words that come out of my mouth pretty easy, but I can remember some times in my life when he was asking me to do something and I did not find it easy to do. I had my own plans, and there are human plans, then there's God plans. If you really accept being called of him, you really accept lordship of him over your life to do it his way and not your way. And I can tell you that there are not very many people who are willing to do that. Even those who have asked the Lord to forgive them of their sin, come into their life, and they will say at the time often, I'll do things your way, God. But when it really comes to giving up all right to yourself, <laughs> meaning I'm going to do it God's way, wow. The, the change when you're willing to do that and what he gives you, the joy he gives you, the passion he gives you in place of that. Uh, look at these words. Uh, now, this is by David Brainerd, who was a missionary to Native Americans here in North America. But look what he says. I care not where I go or how I live or what I endure so that I may save souls. And when I sleep, I dream of them. When I awaken, they are my first thoughts. People who yield to that, okay, God, I'll do it your way, not my way. He 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 gives them this kind of passion. This is the way John Faulkner described it. I have but one candle of life to burn. And I would rather burn it out in a land filled with darkness than a land flooded with light. I remember the first time I read that. And I remember how I felt inside because I'd reached that point where I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. You know, I, I, I want to be that, that burning light for Jesus in a place that's dark and uh, and needs the light. One of the best uh, 
messengers there's ever been of the gospel was William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. He had a way of saying things that it really registers with me. Uh, uh, maybe it will with you. He said, not called, you say? Not heard the call, meaning to, to do, uh, to share the message of Christ is what he's really saying, or to be sent to carry the message. I think you should put your ear to the Bible, down to the Bible and hear him bid you go and pull sinners out of the fire of sin. <laughs> Another place he said, while women weep as they do now, I'll fight while children go hungry as they do now. I'll fight while there is a poor lost girl upon the streets. While there remains one dark soul without the light of God, I'll fight to the very end. And every time you hear at Christmas time the bells ringing as the Salvation Army is out there raising funds, uh, they're still preaching the gospel. They're still going to some of the darkest places to make sure the light of Jesus is shined into people's lives. Uh, one more William Booth. Uh, some wish to live, uh, excuse me, this is C.T. Studd. Some wish to live within the sound of a chapel bell. I wish to run a rescue mission within a yard of hell. <laughs> the, these great people of God um, had that passion that entered their heart when they said, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to give up all rights of myself and do what God wants me to do. He fills them with this kind of passion, and they end up changing the world that they live in. Uh, <laughs> God has called people to do difficult things. The command has been to go, but we have stayed in body, gifts, and prayer, and influence. I know in my own life, I couldn't live with the fact that there was people uh, who did not know Jesus living in darkness, suffering as sin makes one suffer, and not have a chance to hear that Jesus loves them, has a plan for their life, and uh, that they are really his children. Then look in the face of Christ, whose mercy we have professed to obey, and tell him whether you will join heart and soul and body and circumstances in the march to publish his mercy to the world. And so I would ask you, uh, what ministry or mission has God called you to? There may be some of you he's called to stand behind a podium and uh, to preach or teach or stand, uh, you know, before a video projector and teach about Christ. But there are many other ways to share the gospel and to be sent and accept the calling of Christ. We know that uh, 
some of it is dangerous and some of it will cost people their lives. What has God called you to do? And so that is what I wanted to share with you today. Um, the callings of God. Uh, you say, Gary, I'm too old now. You know, the scripture says that the callings of God are never taken back. Now, you may not be able to do uh, physically what you were once able to do, but I want to encourage you that God has called and he doesn't say, okay, you messed up. You're no longer called. I think some of the saddest people that I've ever met on this earth were people who were called and sent of the Lord. They didn't do it. And then they just decided, okay, it's too late. <laughs> uh, take what you have left, as long as you have breath, and do what God wants you to do. Make him Lord of your life. Let him choose where you should go, what you should do, and let him spend your life according to what he made you for. I remember my mother was on hospice care, and she was dying of cancer. And I called her, and I lived about a good 12 hours from her at the time. And she said, where are you preaching this weekend? And I said, uh, well, Peonia, uh, Colorado. And I said, but I'm not going to go. And I said, I want to come see you. And uh, her tone of voice changed. Now, remember, she's on hospice care. She's in a hospital bed that I got for her in her own bedroom at home. She's talking to me on the phone, and the tone of her voice changed to that motherly tone. Um, she said, I said, I'm going to come visit you. And she says, oh, no, you're not. She said, you're going to do what I raised you to do. I raised you to preach the gospel. Now you go do what I raised you to do. I'm fine. Don't come. Uh, well, what do you do with that? <laughs> I went to Paonia, Colorado. I preached on Friday night and Saturday morning. The pastor came into my room and said, Gary, I'm sorry to tell you this. Your mom passed away this morning. I preached that night. Uh, uh, it was very difficult. Um, I really felt very emotional. And I preached Sunday morning. Then I flew out uh, to Evansville, Indiana, and where we began the whole funeral process. Years later, I was getting ready to do a service at, at Barclay College in their chapel. Elderly man came up to me and started talking to me. And I, I was like, uh, I could tell he, he knew me. And, uh, but I didn't know who he was. And uh, I, I, the chapel was just ready to start. And I said, sir, I can tell 
you know me, but I, uh, we, we've met before, um, but uh, you need to help me. I, I having trouble remembering. And he says, oh yeah, we know each other. You've got me in a lot of trouble. Oh, well, this is not really going that well. <laughs> and I said, can you meet with me later? And he did. And he described that on the Saturday that my mother died, he came to church with his girlfriend. And she was a follower of Christ. And he said, that night when you preached on Zacchaeus being a grumpy little old man, short man, and he said, I could tell even though you were hurting that night, you cared about us. He said, I could tell you cared about me, even though you didn't know me. And that's why you were there. And he said, when you gave the invitation to give your life to Christ, I went down and prayed with you. He says, I thought, you're talking about a grumpy little old short man. I'm a grumpy little old short man. <laughs> and I was flabbergasted by this man describing this to me because I didn't, I didn't get to know him. And I said, well, what are you doing here at Berkeley College? He said, I'm a professor here of New Testament studies. <laughs> you, you know, you, you are called and you're sent, and I wasn't going to go to that place in Colorado that, that weekend. I did, I honored my mom, who said, I raised you to preach the gospel. I was sent not only by the Lord, but obviously by my mother <laughs> as well, and my parents. One of the great joys of my life is that gentleman who not only taught at Berkeley College, but uh, also pastored. I talked to him the other day and uh, shared with him how, how much I appreciated him telling me how the Lord changed his life. When you're called and sent and you do it and you obey, great things happen. Don't ever believe anything else. Thanks for listening. This is Gary Wright, Conversations with Gary.